Well, that was a, that's a hard act to follow. I was very impressed with everyone's singing skills. I um, and trying to follow that act, I figured what better way to follow it than to talk about prostitutes and hookers. And so, yeah, that is that is what we're going to talk about tonight. And I think we'll have some fun with it. No, but for real, we're talking about prostitutes and hookers tonight. And so, tonight we're starting a uh, series that, um, thankfully, uh, some of, uh, basically a series that some of you in here put together. We're going to be going through the Minor Prophets. and Yeah. Minor Prophets, just in case if, you, if you're unfamiliar with them, is New Testament and the Old Testament in the Bible. And in the Old Testament, at the, the very last set of books is a set of books called the Minor Prophets. There's a few books ahead of them called the, the Major Prophets. Those are just bigger books. There's nothing better about them. They, they did nothing. It was only because they wrote longer, or, yeah, longer books than the other ones. And so that's why they're, they're not minor. But we're going to talk about some Minor Prophets. And the first one we're going to talk about is a guy named Hosea. Hosea, yeah. What if God, what if God told you to marry a hooker? What if you opened up the Bible and it said, all right, today, please go and marry a hooker. Signed, God. <laughs> and then it just, and then you turn to another page and it said, I'm serious. Marry a hooker today. And then he puts a signature, you know, God. That's, that's basically what happened to Hosea. This is a dude who was a prophet. He's in the Bible. The Bible validates this. The Bible is standing beside this. The Bible is saying this is worth remembering and knowing. People died for this book, the Bible, and it was so that we could read about a guy who married a prostitute because God told him to. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Isn't it kind of weird? Isn't it kind of strange? I think it's strange. I guess it's normal for y'all. I need to get a better Bible because mine isn't, mine isn't interesting enough. Mine just, I mean, marry a prostitute, a hooker. You know, when I think about that, that makes me think of someone who, a lot of y'all probably aren't familiar with it because, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. And so there's a few TV shows that I was more familiar with that some of you, you know, didn't get the privilege. I say privilege. Some of you, some others would probably say the, or some other word. But it reminds me, as I think about this man, his story I would think of someone like this, the great Jerry Springer. Yes, anybody familiar with Jerry Springer? Once Cincinnati mayor, and then he moved up the chain to have a trashy TV show about some of the greatest individuals that you will ever see in our society, people who were not ashamed to make themselves look bad. I mean, this, this kind of story would be in Jerry Springer. Just imagine it, you know. You could, you could see it. This is, you could see Hosea sitting up there with a the woman God told him to marry, and this is what it would say. A pastor marries a prostitute. Pastor's wife cheats on him. His children are fathered by other men after giving herself to everyone else in town gomer ends up as a slave her husband hosea buys her back for 15 dollars. he claims that he knew she would be unfaithful to him in the beginning but god told him to marry her god also told him to buy her out of slavery and love her again that'd be on jerry springer <laughs> i think so you know the worst thing about this story though to me is not 
the fact that he like has his heart broken and you know he marries a prostitute and he just goes through this entire ordeal. The worst thing to me about this story is the fact that he had to marry someone whose name was Gomer. <laughs> Could you imagine saying that every day? Hey, Gomer. Like that is like a terrible name. I I have to, and you have to say that every day, all the time. Gomer. Hey, baby. I mean, Gomer. Like it's just it's just a bad name. It's probably the worst name in the Bible to me. It's just it's just my opinion. But this is this is for real. This really happened. And so we ask, why is this book in the why is this guy's story in the Bible? Why is this worth preserving? What does this mean for us today? You know, the minor prophets are kind of, they're kind of, it's kind of a tough set of books to read and when you get to it in the Bible. It's usually the part of the Bible where people are reading it through and they it got some good momentum. And then they get to the prophets and the minor prophets and they're just like, what is going on? And so we were like, well, what, what's better than trying to tackle that? And so that's what we're going to do. And we're going to start with Hosea tonight. I'm going to pray and then we'll dive right in. Lord God, help us to want you. Help us to want you like you want us. There's a beautiful story here. Would you help us to see it and to see the most beautiful thing about the story, which is you, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyone in here like to read? Any readers? A few hands raised? Okay. If you know me, you know I like to read. I like to read a good bit. You know, I try to read. I usually read about four or five books a week, and so I'm like, uh, I read a lot. Um, that's not true. If I could read that much, that's like my dream. But no, I'm more around that two or three books a week. A week, it's sad. But I um, can't believe I said that in public. But what my favorite author probably is a guy named F.W. Borm. Yeah. Anyone who has been here for more than probably two weeks has heard me talk about this guy because I just really like him. He's, just, he's my favorite. He's an Australian dude. He was a pastor, an essayist, a speaker. And he is probably, I think still to this day, he's Australia's number one selling author in Australia's history. Dude wrote over 55 books in his life and then wrote a ton more editorials, wrote like 3,000 editorials. Like, dude wrote a lot. Anyways, at the end of his life, someone came up to him and asked him, they said, if you could do anything over in your life, you know, you preached a lot of sermons, you said a lot of things about God, what would you do differently? And he was like, oh, I know exactly what I would do. He said this, he said, if I could go back, if I could do things over again, I would have talked more about God, not about God's works or God's ways or God's power or God's worth, but about God's very self, his omnipresence, God's omniscience, his omnipotence. God's unutterable goodness, God's ineffable holiness, God's splendor, his glory, his love. For if I could make people very sure of God, they would soon hurry to that divine Savior who is able to save us to the uttermost. What a sick quote. Basically, he's just saying, if I could do things over again, I would have talked less about stuff that God does for people and for us and more about who he is and what he's like. I would, I would focus on that, and that's really what the focus of our series is going to be. As we look at the Minor Prophets, we're going to explore who God is through what he has to say through the Minor Prophets. We're not going to try to define it, because if you define something, then you're, trying to, then you're confining it. We can't, we can't confine God. We can't, he, we can't fit him into a box, but we can explore him like a jungle and come up on different things and see great aspects about it. Like, it'd be silly if... if, if Someone said, hey, well, ex- explain to me who, define Caitlin t- to me, or define Justin to me, or define Jordan to me. 
You can't define a person. You can't define something living. And God is living. As I think about that, though, I'm really excited to look at this book, specifically Hosea. The reason we started here is because I decided to start here, just because I love this book so much. I used to really struggle with my view of God. Personally, for me, I grew up in church, but I kind of just saw God as distant. I saw him as like, I heard a lot of sermons about him, heard a lot of stuff about the cross, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is really cool, and this is good and everything. But to me, I didn't think of God as being totally interested in everything I did did day to day. And then I also kind of read some things in the Bible, and I was like, well, why does God in the Old Testament seem kind of different than Jesus in the New Testament? It almost seems like they're not the same, but yet the Bible says they're one. So what is that all about? Why does Jesus not look the same to me as God, the triune God in the Old Testament? Why do they seem different? Why do they, I don't know, I don't know if anybody else has wondered this, but I've wondered this. And so as I'm trying to make sense of this, I think this is so cool because as we look at Hosea and what he has to say and the other minor prophets, if I have a right view of who God is, then that'll affect so much of how willing I am to approach him, to trust him, to cry out to him, like Adam talked about. Adam talked about asking him to help him to do the impossible. Am I even going to ask God to help me with that? A lot of times my struggle isn't about whether I can pray. It's about whether I will let myself pray, will I, whether I'll actually let myself cry out to him. And so if I have the right view of God, I will approach him. I could see why Borm said this, because he's saying that it's not enough just to believe in God. What's ultimately most important is that we believe in the right kind of God. And the minor prophets, they hit really hard about who God is and what he's like. So as we look at Hosea, basically just to give you an idea of what's going on in the book of Hosea. So there is this people group. Israel, their country, they're not that big. They're surrounded by basically giants, dynasties. They're surrounded by the Assyrians. They're surrounded by the Egyptians. They're this really small nation, but yet the word of God has come through them. And what's gone on in their their history is basically they've had three kings. They've had a king named Saul. They've had a king named David, and they've had a king named Solomon. But after Solomon, stuff in the country went really bad, and the kingdom split in half. And so there's a northern kingdom called Israel, and there's a smaller kingdom that's Judah. And Hosea is writing this book to the northern kingdom, Israel. And that's kind of where we pick up. It says in Hosea, verses 2, I'm going to start at verse 2, not at verse 1, because it just has a whole bunch of names that I can't even pronounce. It says in Hosea, verse 2, when the Lord God began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go marry a promiscuous woman, a prostitute, and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, all of Hosea's children will be named basically in a way as a message to Israel. Is to, to represent their spiritual condition. So they're going to have some weird names that are going to be really hard to pronounce. I'm just trying to help you to understand what's about to happen. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel. means God scatters. Because I will soon punish the house of Jehu for the massacre in Jezreel. Basically, I'm, I'm, 
I'm going to go and deal with some really bad things that a previous king did. I'm going to go and punish Israel for this. And then he says, in that day, I will break Israel's Israel's bow in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved, for I will no longer show love. Wouldn't that suck to have that name forever? Yeah, you are so right. Whoever, whoever made that sound, I agree with you. I'm not going to make the same sound, but I agree. <laughs> For I will no longer show love to Israel that I should at all forgive them. Yet I will show love to Judah and I will save them, not by bow or sword or battle or by horses or horsemen, but the Lord their God will save them. And just to pause right, right quick. That is not saying that, you know, if you're bad enough, God will never love you again. What it's saying is that, that you can be loved by God, but you can also not experience that love. God is not a God who forces himself on us. He tries to work with us. He tries to woo us. He tries to, he pursues us, but he doesn't force us. And so you can miss out on things that he has for you and that he's trying to give you. It's like trying to give someone a free gift. You, you, they still have to take it. In verse 8, it says, And after she weaned Lo-Ruhamah, Gomer had another son. Then called the, then the Lord said, Call him Lo-Ami, which means not my people. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. First child means is God scattered. Second child, not, second child means not loved. Third child, not my people. Wow. What a happy family. <laughs> that, is, that is just, that is the goal, isn't it? That is a white picket fence and a family like that. Thank you. And then it says in verse 10, yet the Israelites will be like the sand on the seashore. And this is where the hope comes back, which cannot be measured or counted. In the place where it said, where it was said to them, you are not my people, they will be called children of the living God. And the people of Judah and the people of Israel will come together and they will appoint one leader and they will come up out of the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. This is chapter one. That's some fun stuff. That is just really encouraging. Isn't that like, don't you just, don't you feel like you know so much about God because you read that? No. No. I think we'll have some fun with this. Oh, lost my place. There's three things. There's three things that this shows me about who God is. And I think it's really cool. I think y'all think it's cool too, but we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. The first thing that this shows me, and this is fascinating to me, is that God loves me, and he wants me, even though he knows me. God wants you, even though he knows you. I had a friend, we, we do everything together, so... Just rewind. So last week, I was like, I pointed up to my wife, and I was like, hey, there's my wife, everyone. She's awesome, and she's large. And then I just walked away, and I was like, oh, you know what? That's not good. What she was, She's pregnant, you know? And so there's like a baby inside of her, and that was like the reason for the comment, and that was what I was trying to allude to. And so she's like eight months pregnant, and so I just want to like bring attention to that. No one really cares, but I just, I'm just trying to like, you know, I just – I wanted to let me back in the house. <laughs> and so I I'm, I'm, I'm hope she's listening. But 
the reason I mention that is because, so she is pregnant with our second child, and the funny thing about this is, so I have my friend who was my, my I was about to say maid of honor. Bro, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> what do you call him again? Best man. Yes, he was the best man. He was my best man. We do everything together. I kid you not, we like came into small group together, and we joined small group within a month of each other. Then we both came to know the Lord around like the same time. Then we go and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. He gets engaged and I wasn't even dating anyone when he got engaged. And then by the time that he's finished being engaged and by the time he's married, I got married two weeks later. You know, we do everything together. But not only did we do that, I went and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to have a kid. We're pregnant. And he was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, hey, y'all think about having a kid? And he's like, nope, not at all, man. And then two months later, his wife gets pregnant. <laughs> and I kid you not, Katie gets pregnant again. And it's like, hey, look, we got to keep the street going. That's literally what I said to him. We do whatever. Hey, bad boys for life, you know? Like, Let's let's go. And then he was like, nah, man, we're really, we're not even, we got a lot of stuff going on right now. It's just financially no no and then all of a sudden a couple months later i see on instagram they're having another child the street continues we do everything together yes it, it really is it's special it's special the reason i bring him up though is so he's he's a year older than me we are he's a year older than me and I'm, I'm like a junior in college, and I'm looking at him. He's a senior. He's about to graduate, and he's like, look, man, I've been thinking real long and hard about this. I'm interested in so-and-so. It was a mutual friend of ours. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. And he was like, yeah, because I think that I need to go all out for her because this is my last chance. Like, I'm going bald, Jordan. I was like, yeah, I can see. And well, we, we all could see. And then he's like, you know, I'm like, I'm not in the best shape. You know, like, I don't, I don't think there's any hope for me after this. And I was like, look, man, there's not a lot of fish in the sea for you, man. This, this is it. This is the last one. You got to go all out. I, we were dumb. We were like, yeah, this is it. You, you will get no other chances. And so he went all out after her. And then what happens? She is willing to go out with him. And it was amazing to see what happened. Over the next few months, the man's record was immaculate. He didn't make one mistake. Never, never lost his temper. Never was impatient, was always kind. He apologized for other people. He didn't even, I mean, he just did everything right. All his, his place was immaculate. He was always well put together. It was, it was, it was legendary. And then, they, and then she said yes to marrying him. And he changed. It was just, he just, the jokes got a little bit meaner. His jokes towards her were a little less nice. Started playing video games a, a lot more. Stopped working out as much. Stopped using Rogaine. And so, you know, the hair was starting to go away because he was using Rogaine during the dating part, you know, because he had to woo her. And so, but then he stopped because he was like, well, she's going to marry me, so what? I'm not joking. This he literally, And she even was like, yeah, you, you were a little different than when we got engaged. But she's, I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. But the reason I say all of that is because she broke up with him. And that's a lesson to learn from this. You know, you shouldn't do stuff like that. 
No, they, they got married. It's a very happy story. It's really cool. It's a very happy story. He's probably going to listen to this, and he's going to give me a stern talking to. But the reason I say all that is because that's exactly what each and every one of us do. You start dating someone. You want to put on this little front. If you want to know exactly what somebody is not like, watch them date someone. <laughs> For real. That's what we do. We put on this certain kind of self to try to make ourselves more appealing to the other person. Why? Because we have this thought. If they know who I really am, they won't want me. If they know what I'm really like, they won't want me. If they know what I really care about, if they know what I do that no one else knows that I do, or if they, if they, know, like, if they know how many times a week I shower, they won't want me. But for real, God told Hosea to go and marry Gomer. He said, I want you to marry this woman who will break your heart. And she is already messed up when you're even entering to the relationship. This, this didn't come out later on. He knew what he was getting into. Just to help you get a picture of what's going on here, God has this man who is a prophet. He's like, that's like a very noble thing in Israel. It's a very respected thing. And he has this man go marry a woman who is, is – this is no respect from anyone the moment he says, I'm going to marry this woman. Then she cheats on him, and then while they're married, and then some of these kids don't even end up, end up being his kids. They are other men's kids, Kid, maybe men that he knows, probably men that he knows. And, he, and other men know more about his wife than he does. And God has this man's life be shattered, heartbroken, devastated. Only to help Hosea see this one thing, not to not just to have him gain this unbelievable experience. Hosea, I want you to know what it's like to be me. I want you to know what it's like to be the God of the universe. To know exactly who people are and what they are like and to still pursue them. And then I want you to feel how heartbroken I am because of that. He wants you even though he knows you. This is crazy. This is a radical idea. This is radical to the people of the time. It's radical to the people when you wrote the book. It's radical to us today now. This, is, this wasn't normal then. It's not any more normal today. What job could you go into and say, oh, yeah, well, hey, these are all the really bad things that I did in my life. And just 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 for thought, hey, here's some of the thoughts I've been having, too. Do you want to hire me? You wouldn't get hired. If y'all knew the thoughts that I work through, you wouldn't be here. How many friends? How many friends? Are you so afraid to tell the truth to? To tell them what all is going on in your mind. Your deepest and darkest thoughts. Your thoughts alone betray you, let alone your actions. And this is a God who says, hey, you need to know this about me. I want you, but I know you. And I'm okay with that. I want you, 
even though I know everything there is to know about you. If that doesn't blow your mind, then you're not thinking hard about this because that's not normal. That's not normal. Everything else tells me in this world, I need to fix myself up and then you'll accept me. Everything in this world tells me, other religions tell me, once you get yourself together, then God will accept you. This God, Jehovah God, he's different. This is, this is off the scale different. Second thing that Hosea 1 shows me about who God is, is that he is more personal than I could have ever imagined. This is the God of the universe. And he lets the things that I do today actually affect him. Isn't that crazy? Before I read this book, for the longest time, I just kind of had ideas where, all right, you know, if I made a mistake or if I did something wrong or if I, if I had some exciting thing happen in my life, maybe God looked at my folder that day. Maybe if I was bad enough, I got his attention. My daughter Zoe, sometimes when she feels like she's being looked over, what she'll do is she'll start being really bad to get my attention, to get me to actually pay attention to her because she thinks that I only care. If, if, if I'm not interested, she needs to do more bad things or more good things. And that's the way a lot of us think. But the Bible tells us that God is not like that. He is so personal that he lets what you do affect him. What I mean by this is that in the Bible, it shows consistently, it shows this, but it shows it very hard, very clearly. Very, it's very strong in the book of Hosea that the pain of doing something wrong genuinely breaks God's heart. Sin is not about not doing bad things. Sin is about breaking hearts, specifically God's, but also the hearts of the people around us. One of my favorite ways to look at, and I didn't plan on saying this, but I just, I knew I, I, knew I should just wrote it down because it, it, just, it just made too much sense. Sin is when you destroy shalom in the world. When you disrupt shalom, shalom in the Bible is the word for peace. And there is a certain kind of peace that needs to be happening between us and God, between us and God, between us and one another, between us and ourselves. And when we, when we disrupt that, when we do things that mess up our relationships with one another or with him or with ourselves, it has devastating repercussions and it destroys peace in our relationships and in our lives. And you think about this woman, Gomer, she destroyed Pete. Like, imagine, you think about being those kids. Whoever it was, you made the sound about the kids' names. Those names are awful. It stinks that they had to have those names. It stinks that that's what happened to that household. But that's what sin does. It devastates relationships. Now, what is, why does this show me how personal God is? Because, you know, you ever have somebody really hurt you, and then after you're really hurt, you all of a sudden are like, you know what? I'm going to turn off the switch with you. You can no longer hurt me anymore. Or when somebody hurts you enough, maybe it was that girl that you dated or that guy that you dated, and they did one too many things, and all of a sudden you said, I'm done with you. You no longer can hurt me, and you turn off the switch. Do you know how easy it could be for the God of the universe to turn off the switch with each and every one of us? To just say, you know what? What you do will no longer affect me. What you do will no longer hurt me. But that's not what he's saying through Hosea. What he's saying through Hosea is 
I haven't turned off the switch with you. You can still hurt me. You can bring me joy. You can bring me sorrow. Some people have a big problem with this, and, it, and I had a problem with it when I first took this seriously, that what I did could actually affect God. But there's a couple of verses, there's many verses in the Bible, but a couple of verses specifically through the prophets that kind of help point this out. Isaiah 65, verses 1 through 3, this is God speaking. He said to Israel, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that, has not, that was not called by my name. This is God saying this. Here I am for you. I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually. And Hosea 11, 1 through 4, through 4 says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the bells. They burned incense to images. I was, it was I who taught Ephraim how to walk. That's just another name for Israel, basically. Taking them by the hands, but they did not realize. It was I who healed them. I led them with cords of love, of human kindness, with, with ties of love. To them, it was like to them, I was like one who lifts a child to his cheek, and I bent down to feed them. It's off the scale. That is not normal. There are other people who say, you know what? All religions are the same. All religions are the same reflection of the same God. I don't know what you believe, or I don't know what you think. But this God is different than the other gods when you read, read about them in their respective religious books. He is different. I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to tell you to think that. Just read the book for yourself, and you'll see that he is not like. He is off the scale different. I love how C.S. Lewis said it once. He said, I couldn't write this God up. I couldn't make him as loving as he really is. I couldn't make him as merciful or as gracious as he really is. This is the man who wrote Chronicles of Narnia. He was good at writing fiction, and he said, I couldn't write the God of the Bible into any of my fictions. I had to hear about it from the book because my conceptions of God could never reach that high. The last thing that the book of Hosea shows me, or... Hosea 1 shows me, is, you know, God wants me even though he knows me. And, and God puts up with who I am so much so that he lets himself be hurt by me. But it also tells me, as I look at this man and I, as I look at his life, that he wants me to want him. Isn't it crazy that he could just, I, I don't know, sometimes you used to ask questions that are like, all right, why don't you just snap your finger and say, you know what, everybody has to be a robot and they have to worship me or they have to love me. Isn't it interesting that he goes, he jumps through all these hoops, he goes through all these different weird avenues to try to convince us that he is worth it in our lives. He doesn't force you. He tries to compel you. He isn't a dictator. He wants you to want him.
That is, that's kind of strange. That's kind of cool, but it's really strange. I, I hope you're tracking with me on this because that is, you know, if he is God and he's omnipotent and he is omnipresent, and he's all these omnis, he could just make me want him. Why does he do all of this stuff to convince me that it is worth it for me to go to him, for me to want him? Isn't that crazy? God wants you to want him. It's not enough for, he doesn't want you to know about him. He doesn't want you to, to just believe in him in a way where you, but like to really want him. Maybe this will help you understand. When you eat, we all like to eat. What is the worst thing about when you're eating and you are trying to go on a diet? What is the worst thing about going on a diet? Cravings, restrictions. Doesn't it suck when you go on a diet and you know that, all right, I'm trying to lose this amount of weight. I, I want to do this. I really want this. But then that cheeseburger that is free you always get free food when you're on a diet. It's just the way that it works. You always get free food. This cheeseburger that is free or this pizza that is free, you don't have any money that day, and someone gives it to you. And then you find yourself thinking, man, why did I eat that? I was on a diet. Did you want the cheeseburger? Yeah, you did. Did you want to do well in your diet? Of course you did. But did you want the cheeseburger more? Then you wanted that diet. Yes. A lot of times we think, okay, if I just know enough, then I'll do the right thing. Or if I just believe enough, then I'll do the right thing. But it's not enough just to do, just to believe. We have to want it. And we have to want it more than everything else. Do you think that Gomer, with her bad name and all, do you think that she wanted to bring pain to her household? Do you think she wanted to hurt her family? Do you, want, do you think she wanted to devastate her husband and her children? I don't think so. I just think she wanted some other things more than that. Maybe she wanted pleasure. Maybe she wanted comfort. Maybe she wanted to see the world. I don't know. But she wanted something enough to not want what she knew she should, should want. It sucks to not want the things most that we know we ought to want, doesn't it? Doesn't it suck to, to want something but not enough that you know you should have? Y'all, I know y'all all know what I'm talking about because I think about tests. How many times do you have a test that you need to study for but you don't study? Because you want to do that but then you also want to watch Netflix. Or you want to go out with your friends. Or you want to go eat this or, or do whatever. You want to go to somebody's birthday party. Just eat, not even like, not, not saying a bunch of bad things. Just things that aren't the best at that moment. We need to want the things that are best for us. And we need to want them more than anything else. Tonight, I only have a, I only have a few goals. My one goal was that you would see. That as we open up this book of Hosea, God is quite different. He is quite different and a lot better than what we could have imagined. He wants you even though he knows you. And he lets you get close to him, enough to hurt him. You can actually bring God joy and sorrow today. But what do we do with this? 
my prayer for everyone is that we would want God more. We would want him more than all the other things in this world, that he would be our overwhelming desire, that we would want him enough so that something free, something cheap, something enticing, something whatever wouldn't overwhelm our desire for him. The band can go ahead and come back up. I'm basically, or come back up, come up first time. I'm basically done, but one of my favorite stories is the story of Mark chapter 9. It's the story of a man who, his son is demon-possessed, and this man is beyond himself overwhelmed about what am I supposed to do because I want my son healed. I took him to Jesus' disciples. They couldn't heal him. Jesus says all these great things about being able to heal people, and then I bring him to Jesus, and he's, like, lost his mind. His son is literally trying to kill himself. I mean, if you, if you read the story, it's, it's, it's crazy. You can feel the tension. And then they're going back and forth, huge dialogue, a ton of people around, a room, like, I mean, probably more people that are in this, than are in this room. And they're all watching this go on. And then we see Jesus say to him, look, your son can be healed. I can heal him, but you have to believe. And then the father says to him, Jesus, I do believe, but please help my unbelief. My prayer for everyone here tonight is that that would be our prayer tonight, that we would come up to God and that we would approach him and we would say, hey, you know what? I know that there are things in my life that I want more than you, if I'm honest with you. But I also know that you are a God who is okay, if I'm honest, about my shortcomings, that you'll work with me, that you'll fix this up, that you'll make this so that if I'm honest with you, you can fill in the rest. He can fill in that want. He can help you. He can, he can give you a heart. He can give you a new heart where you could want him more than anything else. Lord God, please, please give us new hearts. Help us to want you more than anything else in this world. Help us so that we're not like Gomer, running after the cravings of this world. Help us, Lord God, to see you as worth it, to make time for you, to value you, to put you ahead of other desires, some good and some bad in this world. Help us to be overwhelmed by how much you try to compel us with your love for us. Thank you also, Lord, that you want us even though you know us. This is crazy to me, Lord, but I'm so grateful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.